If this is your first time tonight, we just want to welcome you. Can we just welcome all those? This is their first time tonight. And maybe some things are, are going to be a little strange for you, but we live in a strange world already, so nothing should catch you by surprise. Uh, we sing songs to God because we love God. Just like those of you who are in love, you sing songs to each other, don't you? Even though you sing flat, you still sing and you appreciate it when they sing or sometimes you don't appreciate it, but it's the heart that is expressed through whatever song it is. And so we sing songs to God. Uh, we also pray and we thank God for who he is. Anyone can praise God. Praise just means you're thanking him. Anyone can thank God. Even a non-believer can thank God. Even someone who doesn't know God can thank him. It happens all the time. People thank God and they don't really have a relationship with him. It's because God can be thanked. But it takes a believer, someone who knows Jesus, to actually worship the Lord. And that's what we did tonight. We worship God. And that's when we connect with him. That's when we say to God, you are in the highest place. You are above anything else. And we worship and adore you. And we've been going through a series, Next Steps. And uh, if you came in, there were these cards that were by the door. And you might have seen them. If not, go pick one up because this is for you. These next steps are for you to know where you are, kind of like in your walk with the Lord. Like what it looks like. Uh, we talked and began with the first week, accepting Jesus, and that's when we said yes to him. And then the second week, we talked about attending church weekly, which is what we do on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning, and so we attend church weekly. Some of you attend church on Sunday and Wednesday, and sometimes people think, why you got to go church twice? Are you that bad? No, we want to learn and grow in the Lord, so we don't go backwards, I'd rather be here with the Lord and in his presence with everyone else learning together uh, than doing something else. And so this is what we call like our midweek service, our second mile. And the second mile actually comes out of the Bible where you would travel one mile helping someone and that was like the normal thing to do back in those days because any Roman officer could tell anyone, any Jew, to carry their things one mile. But then Jesus says, carry them two miles. But it's only required to carry one. No, you go extra over and beyond because you're representing me. And so we come second mile because Jesus said, just go over and beyond. You're going to learn, you're going to grow, you're going to develop your relationship with me. And so that's why we're here on Wednesday nights. And then we have what we call Discover New Hope. That's the third step. And that's our membership class. In fact, it's coming up on September 26th. And it's going to be from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., so two hours, and we're going to meet in the fellowship hall. We're going to uh, talk a lot about what the church is all about, our mission, uh, who we are as the denomination Foursquare. Uh, we're also going to talk about water baptism and uh, a couple of other things, but we're going to do that for about two hours, and that's the third step, which is Discover New Hope. And then the fourth step is water baptism. And some of you have already gotten water baptized. Some of you had not. Uh, if you missed last uh, couple weeks ago, uh, then check out our podcast because we talked about water baptism and, and what that does and how important it is in a believer's life. And then that's the fourth step. Tonight, we're going to talk about step five. So if you're writing notes, just write step five, small groups. Small groups. A couple things that are happening in our church is that we're developing these small groups. And the reason why we're developing these small groups is because 
the, the bigger the church grows, the more we need to stay small. Uh, we can get lost in the crowd. Uh, sometimes we feel like, wow, nobody knows me or no one's connecting with me, nobody's calling me, no one's visiting me in the hospital. We just don't know because there are so many people. But if you have a small group of people, they will know you're missing. They will know that you're not there. If you meet, you know, like on a Wednesday morning or a Friday morning or a Tuesday night and you're not there, they will call you. They will make sure you're doing okay. They're going to check up on you. You're going to pray together. And so that's what small groups look like. It's just a, a group of people who come together in the name of the Lord for a common cause, and that's to grow in their relationship with the Lord. There are many different kinds of small groups, and we're going to go through that uh, tonight, what that looks like and, and how that helps us in our walk with the Lord. In the book of Jeremiah, it's, um, it's a scripture that I, 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 I think of often because it says, do not despise small beginnings. And I think about that scripture because sometimes we think a small group doesn't really have an impact in our lives. But really, a small group, as small as it is, four or five, six people, maybe eight at the most, will probably have the biggest impact on your life. A smaller group of people. Heidi and I attended this conference. It's called the Ultimate Leadership Conference in California. And we sat in a room myself, Heidi was in another room because they, they separate the spouses so that you can work on your issues. So I sat there and so they talked to us and it was just a small group of people, strangers. I don't even know these people. They're from all over the country and so we sit there. We don't even know what each other does. Many of them are CEOs, millionaires, owners of businesses. Some are pastors, some are teachers. We just don't know all walks of life. But you're sitting in there and then you start talking about who you are, and you have a psychologist in there. And so you're sitting in there with the psychologist. Now you're thinking like, hey, I ain't the craziest person here. Somebody else got to be more nuts than me. Somebody else got to be crazy. Somebody has to have more issues than me. And so I'm thinking in this way, and then as I'm talking, as I'm sharing about what I do and, and some dreams that I have, it's like the psychologist goes, oh, that's neat. So how did you come to that decision? And then I would share some more. Next thing I know, I'm crying. I don't know. When I was growing up, it was hot. And I'm thinking, how did this happen? Put a little switch on me. But I tell you, that was the best week that I've ever had when it comes to the deep-rooted issues in our hearts. Now, you might think, but doesn't Jesus just save you from all of that? Doesn't he just, when, he, when, when you say yes to Jesus, doesn't he just remove all of that stuff? Well, let me ask you this question without raising your hands. Many of us know Jesus Christ, but how many of us still have junk in our hearts? Yeah, Jesus is still working on us. The Bible says, work out your salvation. We're still being saved. We got to work this stuff out. It doesn't just happen. We got to continuously work this out. That's why small groups are so important. Because you're in this smaller group where you can discuss things, where, where you can find accountability, where you can help each other, where you can discuss how the Lord is moving in your life and, and what he's doing. When I was growing up, I remember we always wanted to be a part of a club. You know, when you, when you grow up, you make clubhouses, tree houses. You have to do like initiation tests. You got to eat dirt and, and see if you can, you know, hold it down. And, or you would have to uh, do something bad and then, oh, you're in the club. Well, we had this tree house and we built this thing. And we only could allow so many people because you couldn't fit in the treehouse. 
And so the only way you could be in our club is if you were our friends. And we had, you know, uh, people that lived down the road and, and other, other children that used to live in the neighborhood. But because they weren't our friends, they weren't allowed in the club. And so we had our little club going on and, and we would hang out in the treehouse. And then when the treehouse had to be dismantled, we had to find another place for it. And then so we made some uh, clubhouses right near like the bushes area. And then we'd have like a secret hiding space or a secret entrance. And then you'd have to have a password. And if you didn't have the password, you couldn't get in. See, we invented email. We had passwords before email. And so we had to say a certain password. We had a certain handshake in the club, you know. And if you had that handshake, then we knew you were in. We knew that you weren't uh, like a spy. We knew that you could be involved in what we were doing. And so we had a clubhouse. Our neighbors had their own clubhouse. And it's like we had all these pockets of friends all over the place. Then as we continued to grow up, intermediate school, you only had like a real tight group of friends. If you, if you were a guy, maybe you had a best friend, but you had like a group that you would hang around with. And that would be like your friends. And then when gangs came out, you were a part of a gang. You weren't like real hardcore, but you was a part of a gang. And then you would you'd be involved with that. And, and you would feel like you belonged somewhere until the cops came. You say, cops, cops, cops. And everybody scrambles. And then the girls, you had your group. <laughs> oh, I, I got to be careful with this one. But you, you, you did. You had your group. And then when you had your group, you had your group. And you still have your group. In fact, your group is still with you even when you go to the restroom. We don't have our group. Guys don't go to the restroom together. There's no way. If my friends say, hey, go bathroom. I'm like, what? No. But women have no problem. Small groups go to the bathroom together. You just travel in packs. And that's okay. The Bible Bible says in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, after he created man, It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. And this is what he did. I will make him a helper comparable to him. God made man and it was not good for man to be alone. And then he made woman. Because God is a God of relationships. Think about it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They always existed in relationship. God is a God of relationship, but the world is pulling us further away from relationships. Oh, we may have friends on Facebook, but we don't hang out with them. In fact, when we see them, it's a little awkward. But we have close friends. And if you don't have close friends or people you're, you're tight with or, or people that will help you in your walk with the Lord, I'd say it's about time you find some. Yeah, but I don't, I don't have any. All my friends are all corrupt, like we're all corrupt together. Well, then turn that around and be godly together so long as you're together in the Lord. It is not good for man to be alone. God created a woman so that man would not be alone, so that there would be someone who is comparable to him. I think all of us are going to struggle with that from time to time. Even in a crowd, even in a group setting, even in a a big family, you're going to feel alone. You're going to feel like no one cares, that that no one's here. You're going to feel like God doesn't even care. But God says, I do care. That's why I created people. It is not good that man should be alone. 
In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 46, when the early church was exploding and the apostle Peter, who followed Jesus Christ, who was being raised up by Jesus to start churches, Peter receives the Holy Spirit and, and is now on, on, a, on a road towards finding people so that they would know Jesus Christ. He's just on this mission. And his first sermon that he preaches, 3,000 people get saved. But then they continued. And in verse 46 of the book of Acts, chapter 2, it says, day by day, continuing with one mind, not many minds, not all kinds of different theologies, not different kinds of teachings, no, one mind. And you know what the mind was? It was the mind of Christ. They all had one thing in common, and it was Jesus They were all moving in the same direction. They were continuing day by day with one mind in the temple, which is where they worshiped God, and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were being saved. Many of us are still being saved saved we still have a lot of junk to give up they were with one mind they had the mind of christ they were moving in the same direction they had one vision one heart they weren't divisive they weren't trying to bring distraction or division or any factions they said no this is what we're doing we're following the ways of the lord we're following jesus christ and so they met at the temple kind of like what we do We meet in this large group setting. We meet in a large group. We meet together to worship God. We meet together so that we can encourage each other, so that when we worship Him together as the body of Christ, we're strengthened. It's not just singing together like at a concert. It's different than a concert. The Holy Spirit is here. The Spirit of the living God is here. And He he embraces our worship and strengthens us as the body of Christ. And so now, because we can gather together in the, in the sanctuary, we call it, and we lift up the Lord, he says, now, after you gather together in this large setting, gather together from house to house in smaller groups. Why smaller groups? Why do we have to be in smaller groups? What's the difference? Well, in here, it's very difficult to know how each other is doing. We learn together But there's not that much accountability. There's not that much uh, encouragement on a one-on-one basis. We can get encouragement together. But when you're in a small group, you know each other. You know your struggles. You pray together specifically for, for specific things. And when you pray together and you you encourage each other, then you as an individual become accountable to other people. And as the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, when one falls, the other can pick them back up. A three-braided cord is not difficult to break. When you have that small group of people, you, you are strengthened in that setting. And it's not just those who were saved in the book of Acts. They were with those who were being saved. Which means we reach the lost one relationship at a time. See, when you, when you meet in a small group, there are, there are going to be people in there that might not know God yet, even in a setting like this. But they're being saved. They're coming to know the Lord. 
I look at it this way, like with a lifeguard, if, if you're drowning, the lifeguard comes out to get you, he or she has saved you. And that's what happened when Jesus captured our heart. He saved us. And so he saved us out of the depths of the sea, just like the lifeguard does. But the lifeguard takes you to shore, to safety, and then you're out of it. You didn't have oxygen, so he needs to or she needs to perform CPR on you and then breathe life into you. So you were saved from the depths of the sea, but now you're being saved. You catch that? And so it is with God. He saves us. That's what we call salvation. And then we're still being saved. God is doing CPR on us. He's breathing his life into us. I remember when I first came to church and, and I said yes to Jesus Christ. It was on a Father's Day, but I still had a lot of junk. I still had this, this junk in my heart. I was 19 years old. And one of my friends brought, brought over a, a VHS tape of a nude movie. It was pornography. And he brought it over. And I was going to church and I remember, it's like God was speaking to me saying, is that what you want to be? That's not you. Don't leave that in your house. And this is what the Lord says. If you leave that in your house, then the devil has all the right to come in because it belongs to him. And boy, that, that struck me. I went outside, I burnt it. I burned the thing. And I remember after burning it, I felt so good. I felt free. I was like, yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with that stuff. See, if there are things in your home that belongs to the enemy, he has all the right to come right on in because you have his property. And sometimes we wonder, what's happening in the house? We go to church, we read the Bible, but things are going bad. You may have the devil's tools in your house. I remember in, I think it was sixth grade. Now, I grew up in Waimanalo, so we had, we had all kinds of stuff growing in the back of our yard. All kinds of plants growing in the back of our yard. I didn't know what they were. I just saw them and, and think, thought nothing of it. And then one day I went to my closet in my garage. I opened the closet to get like a screwdriver. Here's all these trees drying out in the closet. These long trees. And I'm thinking, what is this? What is papaya? What is this papaya trees doing here? And I'm looking at it and I'm wondering, what is all this stuff? And then my brother told me, he says, oh, that's pakololo. That's marijuana. I was like, what? What does that do? He said, no worry, no worry, no touch the stuff. So I said, okay. But did I listen? No. I learned what that thing does. And so I ripped off a branch and I took it on the timber and I cut it all up. I cut it all up in small pieces, stems and all. And then I didn't know what to do with it, but I watched my uncles and they put it in paper. So I grabbed some newspaper and I put it in there. And I tried to do what they did, and I, I tried to smoke it, and I smoked it in. <laughs> and it burnt. And then they taught me how to do it, my friends. My friends taught me how to do it. And then we were in our treehouse doing this thing. And then my friend said, that's a long way down. I said, yeah, you got to go down the rope. If you just go down the rope. <laughs> If you just go down, and we just couldn't stop laughing. I said, if you just go down the rope, he just jumped off. He just jumped, and he landed on his face, and he looked up, and he started laughing. And we didn't know what was happening. And then as time went on, I understood that that just was not good for me. It was just not good. And then when I was going to church, and I, I learned that, wait a minute, 
God has something better for me. He has a better so-called high than any other drug that could come into my life. And when I turned my life over to Jesus, I had to turn away from all that junk. But at the same time, I was still drinking. And I remember it was at this party at our house, and our our mom guys were gone, my mother-in-law. I don't know if I told you the story, mom. Hopefully I did. Well, now you're going to hear it. (laughs) So we're, we're at the house, and we have all of this liquor all over the place. And so my friend is like drunk out of his mind. I have a brand new blanket, and he throws up in. And it's at that moment I thought, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I remember going to church and, and almost feeling, you know, like you feel guilty. Like you go to church and you feel guilty because you did something that you know you shouldn't have done. And so I'm in church and I'm, I'm just feeling like, oh, Lord, I feel so guilty. And it's like the Lord spoke to my heart and he says, I can cleanse you out. I can clean you out. I can, I can renew your heart. I can renew your heart. And I says, okay, God, renew my heart then. Do, do something greater in me. That's not my life anymore. I want to be better. I want to I do better. I want to be the husband you made me to be. And then we started a small group. And we started a small group. And it was in that group that because it was so small, we were accountable to each other. They knew what I was doing. They could help. They could pray. And then after all of that, I was still being saved. So I started working on my swearing Oh, my goodness. I grew up with, I mean, every sentence, there was some type of swear word. Every sentence. That's why I have a hard time when there are movies and uh, if, if it's rated R for language, and I can't watch it. Because I tried so hard to get away from that stuff that if I hear one, like one F word, sorry I'm saying it like that, but if I say, I hear one, like I cringe. Like, if I'm around people and, and you know, they don't know the Lord, then I just, it, it's no problem because they don't know. They're still being saved. But, boy, it still hits me because I remember where I came from. And I'm thinking, Lord, thank you for cleaning my heart and renewing me because that's not who I want to be. I, don't, I, I, re, I actually remember the last time I said a swear word. It was probably, I don't think, I think my son Jordan was about maybe three. Um, so that was, what, 18 years ago? I was surfing at Pai Pai Komeo, and if you've ever surfed there, you, you know, got that cliff right in front. And so I took off on the outside, dropped in, and right on the inside, then it pits again. I said my last swear word. <laughs> it just came out. And I remember it so vividly because I was doing so good for so long, and then it, it just came out. And I remember apologizing to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He said, that's okay. I'm just cleaning you out. I'm just cleaning you out. Just keep moving forward. Keep trying. Keep trying. I'm cleaning you out. And I remember the guys that I went surfing with that day, I I told them because they were part of the small group. I said, I just swore. And they said, no, we saw the wave. We kind of thought you might (laughs) have. But that's the accountability you want to have. I don't want to get away with stuff anymore. I don't want to sweep things under the rug. I don't want my heart to go hidden. I want people to help me in my walk with the Lord because Jesus deserves my very best. He deserves our very best. When he first saved me, I remember him giving me a vision for who I could be, the life that I could live. And the more he gets rid of all of that junk in our lives, the more he keeps breathing life into us, the more he keeps embracing us, 
Hebrews 13, excuse me, 3, verse 13. In fact, you can turn there if you have your Bibles. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. And uh, if, you, if you want, you can highlight this if you're using a, an electronic tablet or something. But Hebrews 3.13, it gives us such direction when it comes to a, a small group setting. Hebrews 3.13, it says, But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You encourage each other day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, we got to encourage one another lest our hearts become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, we think sometimes sin doesn't ruin us. We think we can get away with stuff but, and we think, oh, I can, just, I can just keep doing what I'm doing. But you're being deceived. Your heart is becoming hardened. And when you're in a small group setting, you're going to have people who love you enough to say, you know what, we got to stop. I needed other people to help me with the habits that I had. I needed other people to help me because I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't find strength by myself. Oh, yeah, I found strength in the Lord, but I could hide. I could hide because he forgives me. But when you're with a group of friends, oh, they keep you accountable and they will help you until you get better and better and better and better. It's not to judge, it's to help encourage so that we're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The other day, we're in our small group. We have a small group uh, that does devotions together. We do this every Friday at 6 o'clock at a coffee bean in, in Keao. And there's like maybe five of us, six of us. And while we're sitting there, I remember my friend came in, and he was working, so he just stopped by. And I saw him, and I said, hey, how are you doing? And we're just talking for a little bit. And so he asked us, he said, hey, what are you guys doing? I said, oh, we're reading devotions. We're just spending time in the Word of God, and then we journal, and then we just pray for each other. I said, what are you up to? He said, oh, I'm working right now. I said, oh, you can join us anytime, anytime you want. And so he did. He sat down. I had an extra Bible, and I let him use the Bible. And it's amazing that you could be in a public setting doing your devotions, and your friend sees that, and you encourage them. Everyone is going through something big. Everyone. It's big in their life but that can change in a small group setting. Big things can change in small groups. If we can find enough in us to say, I want to start a small group or I want to be a part of a small group, I tell you, it's life-changing because you have a group of people who love you towards Christ's very best. Encourage each other daily, as long as it is, as it is today, lest the deceitfulness of sin harden our hearts. We don't want to have hardened hearts. We want to have hearts that are moldable and soft and pliable. We do this thing called SOAP. It's S-O-A-P. Some of you know what that, what that is. So when we read the Bible, we go through the bookmarker. The S stands for, if you know it, say it, Scripture. So you write down the Scripture. The O stands for Observation. So you write observation, and then you write down, what did you observe in this scripture? And then the A is for application. And that's what you're going to do to apply the scripture that you read. You're going to do something. And then the P stands for 
prayer. So when we do this thing, this acrostic soap, we learn together and then we grow together and now we're accountable. And I can't tell you how often I'll, I'll do my devotions and then people will walk by. People will walk by. And if you're in a public setting, imagine how many people walk by. Maybe 15 or 20 in maybe that hour that you're there. And imagine if there's a person that's walking by and they're down on their luck. They're feeling like there's no more hope and they, or they feel like God doesn't care. And, they, and, and imagine if they feel like there's no one out there. There's no one who cares about them. They feel all alone. Imagine them walking by your group. And as they're walking by, they see you with the Bible open. You might speak to them just by the word of God being open. See, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit of both joints and marrows and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know how powerful the Bible is? An open Bible can already speak without anyone reading it. You try as a Christian do something wrong with an open Bible in front of you. It's hard to do because the Bible is constantly speaking. It's open because Jesus is the word when you're in a small group setting you have your bible open the word of god is speaking it's speaking life people will walk by life will happen a a husband will walk by maybe he's struggling with something he'll glance down he'll see one word love and he'll be changed because of god's word A, a a child will walk by and curious peek over and will see jesus saved And then that's all they get. They understand that there is a God who saves. A couple might walk by and see a group of people reading the Bible. And they'll lean over to each other and say, boy, we haven't read the Bible in years. We need to read the Bible again. Or they'll say, boy, we need to go to church. Or someone is just hopeless. In fact, this happened. I was was in town and just sitting with a friend and guy sat down and he said you know I saw you both praying and I didn't know who else to turn to I'm a Muslim and I I, I know you know God because I saw you praying and here's what I'm struggling with and he mentioned all the things he was struggling with and I said do you mind if we pray for you he said please pray for me we prayed for him and I tell you the power of God worked in that man's life see things happen in small groups powerful things happen in small groups Heidi has a group that she meets with and all of them are there sitting together with their Bibles and one of them is on their tablet FaceTimed from Oahu because she doesn't have a small group on Oahu yet so they FaceTime with all the other sisters and they all do devotions together. God can even use technology to bring us closer together. And the prayer is that she will one day either move here or start a small group there on Oahu. The possibilities are endless. I would pray that God would show us how important being a part of a small group is. If you want more information, come and see one of us or talk to Pastor Lynn Sawyer. Email us. 
go to one of our connecting boards in the or connecting uh, wall in the fellowship hall and you can see the different uh, groups that meet and you might think but I don't have time to meet on those well when do you have time the only time I have is 2 o'clock in the morning I guarantee you can find three friends who can get together at 3 o'clock 2 o'clock in the morning guarantee if you're up they're up too and you just do a small group 2 o'clock in the morning you'd be surprised at how many people would get up at 2 o'clock in the morning or are still up and would say I would love to do a small group that's the only time I have or for some of you who work together and you're believers your lunch time is a half an hour eat while you do your devotions together yeah but I don't know if we can bring our Bibles to I don't, I don't know if they can allow us to bring Bibles to work here's the coolest thing you can have your Bible on your tablet or your smartphone you figure a way out but you don't let anyone tell you you cannot get into the word of God you find a way to do that God will build you up and when you do even though the church gets larger and larger it really doesn't because we become smaller and smaller and now we're in a small group setting and small groups can do big things would you pray with me would you bow your heads Lord we're so we're so thankful that you modeled for us what that small group looks like. You had 11. But even, even at that, you broke it down into a smaller group. You had Peter, James, and John. You had an inner circle, a smaller group that you could build up and encourage. So Lord, speak to us. Have, you probably already spoke to our hearts that we all should be involved in a small group. We have men's ministry on Saturdays. We have women's Bible studies on Saturdays. We have so many groups, Lord. Bible study groups. We have home groups. We have devotional groups. And Lord, if there's not a group available for anyone here, then maybe you're encouraging them and speaking to them to start one. And if it's just them, then be faithful with just them and you. And you will see that it is not good for man to be alone. And you will send them another person we just know Lord that you're calling us to build smaller groups so that we can grow in our relationship with you thank you for showing us the way we pray this in your precious name we all said amen amen